Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. I'm FPL Nima and I'm joined by my co-host Clayton at Clates AFC on Twitter. We're here to review the, the quite disappointing 2-2 draw with West Ham um, at the London Stadium. I'm not, I'm not sure how you feel, Clayton, but it's been a lot of uh, negativity and toxic behaviour on social media in and amongst the Arsenal crowd, it feels. I've deleted the Twitter around. app. Have you? Like, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. If, if people are wondering where I've gone, I've deleted the Twitter app. But to be fair, I've got my own toxic toxicity and negativity in my own head. So it'll be good to speak things through and see if I'm actually toxic or just realistic or what. But um, I'm gutted. I am so, so gutted. And like, yeah, just off the bat, like it, it's not over. But I think I said it in the preview with Dan, right? I think just my completely honest opinion was I thought we'd fall short anyway um mm. i just didn't think we'd go and drop points at west ham and i think for me it's the manner of like it's two games in a row now where we're two nil and cruising and it's just it's gone to shit like <laughs> liverpool i think we were kind of grateful that we came out with a point like if we're being real we didn't deserve the point it was ramsdale completely saved us and yeah, I bet. Like, so, yeah, again, just being open and honest, this is the first Arsenal game I actually missed in uh, years, like whether it be watch on the telly or uh, in person, the West Ham game. So I'm relying a lot on, like, obviously, we spoke uh, kind of highlights that I've seen and kind of piecing things together, chatting with mates and obviously with yourself now. But um, so I'm just here to like react to the outcome rather than mm. kind of process any individual things. I've got my opinions on like a couple of the goals and stuff, but yeah, so I'm, I've, I feel really, really uh, down <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, but it'd be interesting to see if being down equals being toxic. But I think where I'm at is like, it's, it's my honest opinion is it's unlikely, but it's not over. And like, so speaking to Mike and uh, obviously went to the Lewis Dunford gig with him and like, we're just chatting and like, I just lo- like, obviously he's from the older generation, right? So he's t- telling me about like 89 and like, he's literally telling me in detail how like we fucked it a few games before. Then we went to Liverpool and done it. And like, we don't do things the easy way. And it's so true. And I, th- I just think, yeah, my, my, if I'm being completely authentic, I, I think it's unlikely, but it's not over at all. And there, there is going to be another twist and turn. I've got no doubt in my mind about that. Like I said to my mate, jokingly, it will be so Arsenal now to go and get six points from St. James's Park and the Etihad. Do you remember last year, like in the ups and downs of the top four race, like we, there was a period where we thought it was done. Then we went and beat uh, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge when we weren't really sure if we'd go and do that. There was another game in there that we won where we weren't sure. We went and like bossed it against Man United at home and, I just think, I know we didn't end up getting top four last year, but more to illustrate the point, there's going to be a lot more unpredictability, I think. It's it's not done, um, but I'll be lying if I said I'm not a bit deflated right now. How about you? Yeah, I think it would have been nice to take as much cushion into the game against City, um, just psychologically. Obviously, we spoke about how we were going to play twice by the time we played them, and they were only going to play that one game against uh, Leicester, which they won quite comfortably. Uh, there was no doubts there either. So, I, I agree with you. I don't think anything has changed from my perspective. Like, I think the manner of dropping the points has been disappointing. I think if you look at, I saw some stuff about from August until March. I think we dropped four points in total from winning positions, and in April we dropped four points from winning positions in two games. So you kind of look at that on paper and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, how have we dropped four points from a winning position? 
in one month compared to that yeah. was the total we lost in the entire season before it. So that part is maybe a bit disappointing. But I think if you even put that aside, we are where we want to be. And I think, you know, we talked about how Gary Neville's been talking shit for months about us and about how United's going to finish above us. But he's now starting to panic about United and their entire treble glory getting shat on by a team winning the treble and winning the Prem three times in a row and being the greatest Prem team ever in history and just taking away any kind of significance that United team had in 99. So I think he's now come full circle and he's coming out with quotes like, I think Arsenal could tear Man City apart at the Etihad. And he's coming out saying, you Is know... It? Yeah, yeah, he's coming out with what he—he's like a full Arsenal man now. He's like completely <laughs> changed his tune. He's supporting Arsenal, but he said something Sir Alex Ferguson said, which is quite interesting. He said that he always said that if you have to win one game to win the league, would you take it? And the answer was always yes. If Arsenal win at the Etihad, they win the league. They've got to think they can go and create history. That's what Neville's now saying. So. You look at that and you tell me and the players at the start of the season, guys, if you just beat Man City on the 26th of April, four weeks before the league ends, you will win the title. Or do you want to take that? They will uh, all see, fucking take that. See, I've got my opinions on this thing that everyone keeps doing where they're like, oh, yeah, if you offered us this in the start of the season, like... I don't buy into that. I just think, like, I get it. Like, of course, at the time, you'd have snapped your arms off. But then if you also say, oh, but if before you played Liverpool and West Ham and like you had a five, eight point gap, I just think like it's, it's okay to just say it as it is like expectations change throughout the season. Like I personally don't really like this thing that people do where it's like, you can't be disappointed or upset now because we've punched above our expectations. I think it's fine to just kind of say that things have changed, but, and also the thing I don't agree with now, but I guess what I'm saying is it's not changed. So I'm saying that before this drop points, we had to beat Man City. See, I, and we still I, have to beat Man City. I don't think it's as simple now as saying we win at the Etihad, we win the league. I, I think I, I think it, I, I, I think it is. Because we're really? undefeated I... in nine. I think people are getting way too carried away. Like we have, um, what is it? 23 points out of the last 27. We have been steamrolling for like months since the first game we lost to City. Like, since that day, we went on and won seven games, right? And then we've drawn two. Okay, the manner of, like, now if you want to talk about the manner of how we dropped those points and how disappointing it is and the way we played and kind of the mentality there, I think that's something we should dig into. Like, the mentality and how those results happened. Like, why did we fall apart when we look so comfortable? Because people were saying it's nerves and bottling it. But I don't think it is. I wonder if it's complacency and cockiness. That's what I think it is. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's what it is, right? Do you so remember the Southampton that... game away from home? It was the same thing. Like, and that, at the time, I think I got kind of shot down for saying it was complacency and stuff. I, I absolutely think it is when these guys are coasting because like, they know they're bloody good. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it, that's what it is. Not like nerves. Not and like stuff. bottling and, like, your nerves. Because someone, someone made a good point. They were like, so you're saying that like they were nervous, but they then went 2-0 up. So I you're saying they were no- on, so, 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 so they were like I think that was on Arsenal Vision game. they said that yeah oh I haven't listened to those this week but this was on Twitter and someone was basically just saying like guys like what the hell like um, you're saying they're nervous going into the game and they're going to bottle it and drop points but then and they've then got they go, so, like, what their nerves disappear for 20 minutes they banged it out and then the nerves came back like they're like what the fuck is this narrative it doesn't even make sense so I agree with you I don't think it bottle anything like this was just pure complacency, in my opinion. Um, yeah, agree. 
Yeah, it has to be. I don't know what else. And I think we said it. So you're time, still right? in the. So you're still. So what was it you said? So you think if we go to the Etihad and win, we win the league? Is that where you're yeah, kind of? Yeah, because we have seven games. I, I'm confident that we will learn from the manner of dropping points these last two games to kind of pick it up and go from there. I think as fans, we've become like unrealistically expecting like these kind of points totals that we're going for right now. Pre the City era, these would comfortably win you a league every time. We're now in an era which is dominated by a super team that have spent 10 years assembling that now you look back on it, it's basically broken Liverpool competing with them. Like to win that one title Liverpool did and to go toe-to-toe for all those years, it is broken Liverpool now. Yeah. They're, they're fucked coming out the other side. Whereas our team, I feel we're at the beginning of this squad build. Agree. And most of the squad are 22 to 24. And I think whatever happens, this is going to be hopefully a battle to come for years ahead. And this is just the first. Now, if we can win that title at the first hurdle this year, I think going into the future years, Arsenal-City rivalry will start heating up. But right now, I just think people are kind of expecting that, like, people were saying, like, you know, before they were saying City's done badly, that's why Arsenal are where they are, but they haven't. Like, they're, they're about to finish on one of their highest points totals too, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, I just think, we said this before, if City won the league because they won their last 14 games in a row, then you just got to say, like, how's that bottling it? Like, that team won 14 games in a row. Yeah. Like, obviously, they, they won the title, fair and square. But I think in this scenario now is so difficult and competitive in this league and i don't think just because we didn't expect to be here that that's an excuse for dropping points now so i do see what you were saying about like that's not something you necessarily are happy with saying that oh but like we just need to beat them um it's just from my perspective like that game was always going to be the one to decide and i think that's what neville was saying fergie says like he's saying every season if you told fergie you just need to win one game because back in those days you did need to just win one game right like in this united arsenal era Whoever won that match would win the league. The other nine teams so were not worried. It's different. Like, okay, it's just, yeah, it's just different to now. add the context to like where I'm at, it's like the reason I don't think it's as simple as just going to the Etihad and winning now is because, granted, I agree with you. Like we've shown that consistency and how long we're unbeaten and stuff. But I always felt that our run was tougher than people were making out. Like. I, I actually said a while ago, like I was confident going into this weekend, but I did say a while ago, I could see West Ham away being like a banana skin. I think Newcastle away is tough. I think Brighton's going to be really tough. Like, And I just think there's like an arrogance that's crept in around Arsenal circles and like, yeah, we've earned the right to feel like we're going to steamroll teams. But I just feel like there is a little bit of arrogance and just kind of swipe, swiping things to the side. And that's why I just think this buffer room now it's like, well, there's no buffer room anymore, right? Yeah, like, the buffer's well, barely gone. Any, well, before so. there was a buffer, right? So I think that's that's the key thing. Like, before we didn't have to beat Man City, whereas now we do. Yeah. Now, the reason, I think what's changed, And I do right, think if the, we do the, go and win there, I think it's probably likely that it swings it. I just, I don't think it's like 199% cert. Like, you go there, you win it, you win the league anymore, which is what I did think two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been with the buffer. And now yeah, it's not exactly right. Yeah. So now you could go there, win, and still not win the league. But that could still happen. Yeah, There's other games we could drop points in. Now, for me, obviously, it's great news that they're going through in the Champions League to face Real Madrid. So hopefully that's another two-legged tie that really just fucks them up and get pick up a few injuries along the oh, way. I bloody hope so. Need <laughs> <laughs> Serge Nabry to do an inside job or something. <laughs> yeah, we, need, we need some players to get taken out, man. Um, 
but but yeah, the reality I think for me, the reason I say nothing's changed, right, is because our destiny is in our own hands. That's what I'm saying. So I'm not saying win City and we win. I'm saying win all seven fucking games and we win. City yeah. is just one of those seven. Whereas before, we could have like just not lost to City and that might have been enough. Whereas now, if they win their game in hand and it's a one-point gap, okay, a draw means it's still a one-point gap, but I don't like the fixtures we have coming out the other side against Newcastle and Brighton, right? So in that scenario, and now I feel we have to beat them when we play yeah. them. So I think that's what's changed. So what's changed is that City is now in their own hands too. If they win yeah. all their games, they win. But nothing's also changed in a way because if Arsenal won all their games before they won, and if Arsenal win all their games now, they still win. So that's what I mean. Like I don't think we need to panic yet. It's not like we're now chasing and we've lost this lead we had the whole season. We just need to take a perspective for a moment and be like, okay, you know, we, we've dropped some points, but we need to continue. It's nine games in the Prem undefeated now since that City game. Let's just get to the end of the season and make that, what is it, 16 undefeated. Let's yeah. not lose any of the next fucking seven either if we can. Um, so that, that's what I mean by nothing's changed. That we, you know, we, we, we still have it all in our own hands. It's our own destiny. And we've got players like Jesus and others who said this is the most exciting part, right? The running. Yeah. We've got true. players now who understand the mentality of the running and they've been there for previous run-ins and they've won it. So yeah. I'm hoping that's enough experience to get us over the line should we talk about some of the uh, goals and then we'll go to yeah and i guess it, it kind of leads on nicely into like where you're saying about this is kind of the period now where you show it and stuff and i think you, you we both touched on it like that kind of arrogance and complacency and i think that's kind of what happened again on sunday right like well, yeah go on do you want to take it away yeah actually just what before we do that quick couple of shout outs as well good to see you pontus here for the weekly therapy session hey, after the last two weeks <laughs> Uh, good to see you, William. Um, hope you're recovering well while you're in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, he said he was in hospital. Hope, hope you're all right, mate. It sounds like, uh, yeah, so he says this result, given how the game played out, is inexcusable. Uh, shalom to Terence Tibbs. Good to see you as well, buddy, <laughs> nice after one. a while. And yeah, I think he's spot on about since Mourinho arrived, um, managers and the standard of Prem teams and coaching changed significantly. Um, I think tacticians have shown up since then as well so obviously Wenger was famous for his kind of express yourself philosophy and do everything on the training pitch and trust them to go and do it on the pitch themselves these days you know that Arsenal Liverpool game was like a pure chess match it felt like when I look back on it now it was such a tactically exciting game seeing both managers changing things up and you've now got even Klopp has started to play with an inverted midfielder from fullback and like it's just the league is a different story now like that you know, you've got the Brighton, the Zerbi. Pep there. said he's got the best build-up in world football. Like there, there are tacticians everywhere now, so the standard is just gone. the game has become very it. scientific. It feels, <laughs> yeah, it is, and things have changed a lot. So that that was interesting. So let's say uh, we'll pull up the Markar stats data, and then we'll talk through the the match report alongside this cumulative XG chart. So at 15 minutes in, for anyone on podcast, if you want to see the the visual data so we have West Ham at an XG of 1.66 Arsenal 2.35 expected threat for West Ham 1.24 Arsenal 2.16 possession 30% West Ham Arsenal 70% field tilt 33% for West Ham 66% for Arsenal and then defensive action high 44 and 47 respectively so I guess this graphic kind of tells the whole story right um for the first half I think we scored the first goal maybe seven minutes it was 
was a fantastic um, team goal. You know, I think it was six minutes actually. You know, there was a lot of. It felt like it was kind of. Uh, I know you've only watched the highlights, but it kind of felt like a nice blend of patient but yet incisive play. So we're kind of like playing the ball around the box, um, and then we worked the ball to the edge of the area. There was a fantastic find to get Ben White on the run, run over, and then he just squared it straight to Jesus yeah. on the other post. The, the build-up for that was brilliant, wasn't it? It was so nice. So I, I really enjoyed that one. And, and then we kind of doubled the lead. You can see here, like, very quickly after in the graphics. So we got, like, six minutes in, we get the first goal. A few minutes later, we doubled the lead. Um, and this time, there was a killer final pass from Gabriel Martinelli, and he switched it over to Odegaard. And I thought that was a lovely side foot volley. So yeah. that was fantastic from Odegaard. And we were cruising. Like, it was we were just... cruising, exactly. We were absolutely cruising. It, it just felt like there was no doubt that we were going to get through this game with a big W, right? Yeah, because when I saw that, and like, so I caught glimpses of the game and like, I was catching that bit and like, I was just like flipping out. It was the same as Liverpool, like periods of the first half. It was the same as every other away game we've seen well not everyone but most of them like what we were saying about all the London away derbies and stuff and it just felt like it was going to be another walk in the park and then I think the problem was the players started to believe that and then it all went tits up right Mm, it did and I guess that's the question right so it's we looked like we were in complete control as you say in and out of possession but then there was, I think, one mistake against the runner play that really cost us so yeah obviously Fartu tried to be clever and um you know, I, I, I don't know what he's doing with flicks and stupid shit like that. Um, I saw Arteta, even before that this happened, I, I remember listening to the commentary and they were like, Arteta looks visibly agitated on the sideline that his players like attempting flicks and showboating and shit. Yeah. So they were already but... saying Arteta looked fucking pissed. And he was like, what the fuck are you guys doing just because you're 2-0 up? They were showboating. Yeah. They were taking the piss. Now, you could argue yeah, that where he it's had a high-risk, high-reward oh. play, right? Yeah, but I just think where he has the ball, like I agree, like on the high risk, high reward, but there's periods in the game where you just don't need to go for the risk mm. reward. And like there, where he had the ball, I don't care. Like you just pass it back, you create another angle, another way. Like you, there's no need to flick it around when you're getting pressed like that and you're in our middle third. And like I get, like that's how we're taught to play out from the back and stuff. But there's a difference between playing from the back and taking risky passes versus taking risky flicks when someone's pressing you in my opinion. And I just thought, I thought that was a mistake. I think, yeah, so that, that, that's what I'm getting at. Like, I just felt like it was so nonchalant and pointless to do something like that. And on the edge of your penalty area, obviously that allowed them to break. And then Gabriel's got to make a lunge tackle against uh, Paqueta. So, you know, Ben Rama took the penalty, sent Ramsdale the wrong way, but it just feels like we were kind of punished against the runner play for one mistake. Yeah. And we were, and before that, we looked like we were in complete control, in and out of possession. So, and then that's what invites all of the pressure again, right? It's like, and I... you can see here, right? So after the goal, if you look um, around 30th minute onwards, they score their goal. So the cumulative XG shoots up, and then actually we don't do anything. If you look at we how the end line. of that half, yeah, that how that half kind if of. If our plays team out, was a heartbeat, we're dead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're dead, and then their team is actually just slowly building up more XG as you go. So. You know, despite all that early dominance in the first kind of 20 minutes or so, 30 minutes, what you see is that actually West Ham finished the first half with more than twice the number of shots on goal to ours. They had nine shots on goal to our four. So how did we go from completely dominating to West Ham have had nine shots on our goal to our four? But how does the half even end like that? So that was already like, shit, the tide has turned. That goal immediately brought their stadium to life brought their fans to life brought the players to life like they were like wait a second 
we're getting a lot of chances here suddenly after the penalty. Maybe there's a game here for us to come and get some points. They're in a relegation scrap. They need yeah. every point they can get, right? And I think to your point earlier in terms of like taking wider lessons and stuff, that for me is the concern that like this team can go to, I think, nine, 18, 19 places in the league and just completely stamp their authority on things and like be cruising and stuff. But it's just the way momentum shifts sometimes. And like, it's only been a handful of times, but it's quite concerning because like against Liverpool, again, it was complete cruise control. They go and score and then bang, like the tide just turns. And again, West Ham, it's the same thing. Like it was a mistake that led to the goal and then bang, the tide just turns. And it's like, for us, it's almost like, you know, the, the cliche of like 2-0 being the most dangerous scoreline in football. It does feel like for Arsenal and this specific Arsenal team, that is a thing. And it's like, unless we get the third, you always feel like one goal could just completely swing the momentum. And like I know that's a big generalisation, but that is what we've seen on the evidence of two I games. I think we said this against Southampton, right? So it's going back to what you mentioned about the earlier match where we got complacent, which has kind of similarities to these last two games against Liverpool and West Ham. I do feel that at 2-0, we play 4-0 football. Yeah. And it really invites people back in. It just, like, yeah. we should not be, uh, unless we're three goals ahead, we should not be doing this dumb shit. Um, now, obviously, and that's what like, Arteta's what, what, said, isn't what, what, it? Arteta's been so vocal about that and, like, the 300,000 passes and going for the third and the fourth. And, like, we've seen periods where we've done that, but we're, we're not consistent enough of that. And, like, mate, that is something that will come with maturity and growth in this team, right? But, of course, it's it's okay to be frustrated by these things. Like you're not a bad or toxic fan if you're upset by these normal things. Yeah, no, of course. I, mean, I think it, it's important to acknowledge like our frailties or mentality lapses and constructively think about what can be done to do better. Now, there is the other side of this argument, which is that you know, like Paqueta dived like I've never seen in my life before. Um, but it's just stupid. Like you can't be lunging in like that if you're Gabriel. Yeah. Um, I know he tried to pull out of the tackle, but... Once you've gone to ground and your momentum's going into someone. Yeah, like, exactly. it's, yeah. like Paqueta was... He threw himself before the contact even arrived, but he knew the contact was coming. There was contact. You caught... That's it. That's a penalty. So I, I, I'll be pissed if that happened to us and we didn't get one. So that's fair. But on the handball, that's obviously a little bit frustrating because um, I've seen a lot of debate about this online. And I, for what it's worth, I don't think it's a handball because like, no, no. It's, it, it, it's not Declan Rice's problem that like party's doing some dumb fucking flick, and what like he's supposed to just stop the counter because like it happened to touch his arm when it's in a natural position while he's running. Now, what I read was, and this is quite interesting, is that last before the end before last season they changed the handball rule, and what they said was that they won't go and look at it if like it's before the phase of play. And this is where it's a bit like I can see why some people are calling for handball because. It's an interpretation of the law. So, like, when Mitoma scored against Spurs for Brighton, they disallowed that and they checked it for one second on the AR. Yeah. And it hit his shoulder. But they said it touched his arm. They say if the goal scorer and it touches his arm, they will look at it. But if it's the person who's not the goal scorer, so in this case, Rice, before he passes the ball on for the penalty that happens with Paqueta, because Rice wasn't the guy who took the shot, they don't look at that. So that's actually just ignored. They don't look at it. It says in the rules that's not, not considered for a handball. They've raised the tolerance and ceiling and it has to be the guy taking the shot. So if it's not the shot taker, they don't care that that happened, basically. And I just think right. that 
these nuances in the laws and the fact that they change just it's so, getting so complicated ago, right it's so complicated and like it's difficult so i can see why some people are upset i still think that like it would it would have been a harsh handball yeah people you know so. if you if you give that as a handball then you have to give the handball to um liverpool against gabriel maglish where it hit his chest first then went to his arm we said his yeah. arm was like in a weird natural position whatever so you know yeah so i think that's what it is um but let's go to um I think the next thing I just wanted to say is so obviously they then went into halftime. It was 2-1. Yep. They've taken more shots. So we'll wrap up kind of their equaliser and our chance to go 3-1 up. And then we'll talk more about any questions yeah. in the chat. I think we won't go through individual performances so much today. Um, obviously, we both caught parts of the game, but I don't want to be calling out specific players when I only watch them in parts and not for the first time, as you say, didn't get to watch the whole game in full. Um so any, know, we get to the any concerns half. around the penalty or and like going forward or just a one-off? No, I think that's a one-off. I hope that like so so party has created lots of opportunities for us to score in those high risk, high reward scenarios in the past. But you would argue that in that position on the pitch at 2-0 up, that is unnecessary and a flick is a bit showboat. Oh, I sorry, think, so. I meant I thought you were talking about Saka's penalty when you Oh no, so I'm gonna, oh so, so that's the one I'm gonna go to now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I thought you meant the last so, so this one obviously um you know, as soon as the second half started, we had a chance to restore our two-goal advantage. You know, the ball was cleared to Martinelli on the edge of the area, and then his volley was blocked by Michael Antonio's uh, outstretched arm. So, you know, that's penalty. That's fine. No problems with yeah. that. No qualms. Obviously, Jesus was bouncing the ball around to take the pressure off, and then Saka came. They're doing this now, aren't they? All the time, where like someone pretends <laughs> to be taking it, and then they just be like Odegaard or Jesus or Trippier. Like <laughs> it's like I don't think it confuses anyone anymore. Like and now they you... know who the penalty taker is. Yeah, it's like they need to find another new tactic of like actually just the person that's got to take it go up and just pretend to take it now and actually take it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's just really frustrating. Like, Saka stepped up, he aimed for the top left corner, and then his curling effort went wide. Um, it went yeah. wide as well. <laughs> wide. That called wide. Um, and then, you know, less than, you know, less than two minutes later, West Ham draw level. Uh, Kura played this searching pass over the top of our defence and found Bowen. And Bowen was there to fire it through uh, on the volley. So, what can you do? We enter the final 30 minutes. Both teams are going for it now. So, you can see after the equaliser, so if you got a miss penalty here where the XG shoots up for us after doing nothing since our second goal. And yeah. then obviously we missed that. So despite the huge XG accumulated for us because penalties are quite high XG, it still didn't amount to a goal. Didn't restore our two goal advantage. And then they score. And from there, you can see both teams, there's a couple spikes. So both teams go and try to win the game. Um, Counter-attacks were becoming much more uh, regular from both sides, I thought, towards the end. There was, a, I don't know if you saw Kieran Tierney, had a driven cross that was narrowly missed by Jesus at full stretch. So that, that no, was painful. That. Um, and then there was Saka. He charged forward on the break and forced a save from a promising position. Now, on the flip side, they had equal chances to win the game as well. So Antonio met a cross at the far post and his head bounced off the woodwork. So that, that was fucking scary. One thing um, I want to bring up was just like, and obviously it's easy for me to say this while I wasn't like in the game live, but I thought the subs were fucking weird again. Um, considering it was like 2-2 and then I think like Jesus went off and like I get there's probably injury worries there and same with party and I don't know I just feel like again it's another thing I heard on another pod it might have been Arscast or Arsenal Vision but it just felt like one of them said like we literally ended up with a team worse than what we started on the pitch and it's like I don't know I just I found his subs at Anfield odd and I found the subs on Sunday looking back 
quite strange. And like, I get it, Trossard is someone that needs to be playing, but I just think like start taking someone like Jesus off, like taking Party off. Like I get, it, he was kind of at fault for one of the f- for the first goal, but I don't know, man. I, and I think that. But me, I think it's, it's interesting just... if you look at who he brought on, right? So he brought on. Um... What is it, Jorginho and Trossard, who are very technical, and maybe he wanted to try and calm the game down and stop the counters control yeah. possession. I do think with Saliba and Zinchenko out, I think a lot of people keep talking about Saliba, but I think we're missing both the players that are building exactly. up from deep, yeah. and we've lost so much control in games. That's all of the control yeah. that we get in that first phase, right? Pretty much because they're gone. Yeah. yeah, it's like there is none now. So it's like, okay, Tierney's great, Holding's great, but like. We I didn't literally even think no of that. The block. So I, I think this how... is that's why I think those subs came on. Now I would have preferred Saka went off personally um, instead of Jesus, but maybe with Jesus, like obviously he's only just come back from the injury. Maybe they need to protect him. So there's perhaps stuff we don't know about there. I think Saka's had a couple of bad games. Um, I don't think he's going to necessarily bench him. Like no, straight I, after missing a penalty. Yeah, I don't think like we said no, about Martinelli when he missed the penalty right in the shootout and. We didn't think that he would. but So I don't think Party was necessarily subbed off just for the mistake, but I think it was just on his own with no Zinchenko to support him or Saliba to help with the build-up. When you play with Zinchenko, Party can just look up and there's someone two yards away always for yeah. a safe pass to always save him. He didn't have that and our build-up's just lacking. And I think with Jorginho and Trossard, the hope was we would gain some level of control on the ball, but... It just didn't quite work that way. I think also with the Kivior thing, we didn't talk about it much at the time, but earlier on in Arteta's reign, like he would bring on another centre back in Holden to shut up shop and stuff, and it worked fine, and you know it never really went wrong. Obviously, Holden was already on the pitch, so yeah. Tommy Asu's injured, Saliba's out. I think he just went for a tactic he's used before, and he had to throw someone into the fire, which was Kivior. Um, you know, had Holding not started the game and being the one to come on and do that, I don't think we would have batted an eyelid. So again, it's like, I, I just think it's, we're kind of being quite harsh, I think. Like, I think the, the in-game management could do with some work in these scenarios. But I just think the personnel available to us, like, we're not looking at it clearly as a fan base. Like, we are missing key, key fucking players. Like, no, we're missing three right. of our defenders. And that's yeah. huge. Like, when, when Liverpool were missing Van Dijk, they finished at seventh in the league after winning it. So it's like, yeah, one no, defender a, out. Like, no, it's a very good point. And like, yeah, I think when you are missing half of your defence, like there is, yeah, you can understand why you're missing that level of control. I think the caveat to that is though, like we saw a ridiculous level of control even without them in periods. And then I think it's like, it kind of went when we conceded and then they kind of revert back to like old school Arsenal in a yeah. way in terms of how they drop deep and stuff. And then I, yeah, I, I get the personnel thing. I just, I don't know. So like I get Jorginho, but I think bring on Jorginho to play with party, not in completely instead of him. Cause what, when was, was it? I guess he was protecting party as well. I think that's the thinking here. It's yeah. kind of like party himself is some injury prone as fuck as well. So it's like, do you want him in a game that's become a counter-attacking game where you're just sprinting up yeah, on that pitch true. or do you want to replace him and try to take, take out the counter-attacking element? I think this is where, though, like, I will die on this hill where, like, again, I was saying I was so disappointed with the lack of midfielder in January and, like, you're seeing it now. I feel like people were so yeah, short-sighted at... People were so short-sighted at the time and, like, I think to get this squad to the next level, it's... Like, our first 11, like, we've been so bullish on this, it can take on anyone, but... 
it and like we've kind of gone through periods where we've said okay we've taken that core 12 13 and we've got like when everyone's fit we've got 14 15 he fully trusts but people like Vieira does he still like does he really trust him I'm not sure Smith Rowe didn't even get a sniff like well well, he trusted Vieira more than Smith Rowe which is quite telling um I do think Smith Rowe like I see this as like an injury gap here it's like a lot of people were down on Martinelli. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in the same way that people were so down on Martinelli when he was coming back from the injury and like, why isn't he getting minutes? I think Smith Rowe, we just need to give him a full preseason and just we just wait for next season now. And yeah. He might have one moment that helps us towards the title this year. Hopefully he has his Nelson moment as well. Uh, but honestly, I, I, I just, it seems like he's not quite ready and we've got seven games to go. They're all vital. On this note though, I just think people are losing their fucking plot, mate. Like, People talking about playing party at right back. We're talking about playing fucking Royal Walters, who's never played a senior minute at <laughs> right back and playing white at centre back. Um, there is a wild fucking platini at right back. It, like, this happened a few weeks ago before. Was it what game was it? Was it Palace or Leeds? The same thing. It was like all the mental gymnastics, like trying to put together these. There's people blocking each other in the Arsenal fan base over this. Like, um, obviously, uh, she knows Arsenal. She fucking must have tweeted about playing Royal Walters, and then that crab guy who does the graphics and data for Arsenal as well, he must have quote tweeted it and said, like, why would you do this? And she just blocked him. And it turns out she blocked everyone who disagreed with her. So the Arsenal fan base is just fucking infighting. We're, we're doing what we're doing best. We're, we're yeah, tearing each unreal, other down. <laughs> we're tearing each other down instead of realising that, like, everyone is out to get us. And they're trying to fucking start these narratives about bottling it and not fucking waving or smiling at fucking mascots in some edited video that doesn't show shit. Because they're all just trying to yeah, come at us. No. Because they, they're all scared. They don't want us to win. They fucking hate us. So let's use that. Let's build a siege mentality. Let's go fucking win this title. I know a lot of people in the chat are saying, like, they've lost the confidence. They're, they're not as confident as they were before. And that's fair. Like, I'm not going to say you need to be confident or overly optimistic. But I refuse to back down. Well, te- because we we dropped four points in fucking twenty seven hundred. No, and well, like, like we're gonna learn from this. I have faith in these boys. Like they yeah, will come well good. Said. They will and come like, take, good. Take me as an example. Like you'll see it. So we're sat together on Friday for the Southampton game, and like, have I lost Can't a wait. bit of confidence? Yeah, but like, have I lost a bit of confidence? Yes. Am I as? Yeah, like, do I think it's unlikely now? Yes. Do I think it's over? No. And like, you will see me every game I'm there like chanting like my heart out like that's your it your support like, won't what, stop yeah that's the thing my support is going to increase if anything because they need us now more ne- more than ever like they actually need us now fully and it doesn't matter like you can think those things you can like you're allowed your own feelings and opinions you're allowed to think yeah. that that maybe we've lost a bit of buffer room like it's going to be unlikely but the one thing that's unwavering is your support of the team and i think that's the thing that now like we just have to kind of put these two games behind us now like there's nothing there's no i think this is important to talk about it but like don't dwell on it just move forward that's it Mm. like you said seven games all in our control southampton go win that one game at a time and i think it's just the thing like if you're back to our basics yeah yeah but if you're lucky enough to be in the stadium like just give it everything you've got because that they need that they um, need that 12th man. Don't just sit there fucking groaning every time they're like, yeah. we, we don't go ahead and don't batter teams 4-0. I think people just, we've not been in the title challenge a realistic one for so long. And a lot of fans, either like it was, you know, nearly two decades ago, or they weren't around for it when we were in those challenges. Like, you know, I wasn't even born in the ones that you were talking about, the ones yeah, that um, Mike was talking to you about, right? So 
And I just think that this is part of a title challenge. The twists and turns it are is. there. Like you're never going to go and win every game you think you're going to win. You're going to drop points in the games you thought you would win, and maybe win games that you thought you dropped points in. Like this is what it is, and it's emotional. It's a roller coaster. It's it's fucking anxiety inducing. But just support them and keep going. I think in fighting amongst our own fan base, that is just wild. Uh, yeah. I don't understand how you can hate on each other. Having slightly so different all wanting the feelings. same. Like, we all want the same outcome, which yeah. is success for the club. Um, I don't see what fighting, like what benefit that gives. Um, I'm going to put up some of the comments from the chat. I think we just spend the last two, three minutes talking about what the guys yeah. in the chat are saying. So we'll treat it like a bit of a Q&A, but it's more of just a live chat interaction. Um, we won't go through the individual players, as we said. Um, but yeah, so, so let me just quickly pull up some of these comments from the live chat. So we have... The first one I've starred from today. So William had said it's difficult for him to be optimistic for the run-in if Arteta doesn't get creative with the lineup or Saliba miraculously get fit for the City game. See, I don't think we need to get creative with the lineup. I just, yeah, I think unfortunately we missed Zinchenko and Saliba. Um, and yeah, like, okay, this will sound batshit, but like we we can still win games without Saliba. Like it is hard. But I think if we can get Zinchenko back, that's a big dimension to the team. And of course, Saliba's one of the most important people in the team. But I, I don't think if Saliba's not in the lineup at the Etihad, I'm thinking it's an automatic loss, personally. Yeah, like, you know, I, I, I would still back him. Like, I'm not going to be there fucking moaning in the one hour to kick off just because I see holdings in the team. Now, obviously, the news on Saliba is that I doubt he'll make it Friday, but he is going to be working on grass this week. And he will do whatever's needed if he can be there for Wednesday against City at the Etihad. So if he only plays... That's come around quick, game, right? <laughs> yeah, if, if there's only one game he you plays... you just saying Wednesday has made me think, holy shit, it's literally it's, in a week. It's a week from now. Yeah, a week from now. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, we'll be doing that preview in no time. Bring um, it on. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm obviously just conscious that, like, I would love for him to be there, whatever it takes, pain, kill. I like, just fucking stab him with the pain injection relief i don't care mate like just get him on that pitch um some people were saying you know we're, we're ahead of where we thought we would be let's not fuck up his entire career for the risk of one game to win a title now let's save him to win titles in future years and all this shit i'm like bro if the guy is saying he's fighting to do everything he can to play then i'm pretty sure he himself wants to fucking be there like no one's forcing him to play um like there will be a lot of medical opinions given and he will not play if he's not ready they're not going to take yeah. a risk that ruins his career. I'm pretty confident of that. So if he plays, it's because he's gone through very quickly like Jesus did in the recovery process and he's just managed to make himself fit. Um, Pontus's point, I think this is key to what you said about we need yeah. two central midfielders and the age profile of our central midfielders is not great either. Obviously, um, Xhaka, Party, Arneni, Jorginho, they're all on the other side of 30 pretty much. Um, it's the only position in our squad where like everyone's kind of going to be hitting the end of their primes rather than going into summer. the primes. Last summer, we needed a first team quality central midfielder. Like, yeah, that, that's been a big uh, miss, in my opinion. In terms of who they are, though, so I think um, obviously we're struggling to make impact off the bench at CM. Pontus talks about Rice plus one more. Um, Terence was talking about McAllister being one of them. It seems that a lot of people are inquiring about McAllister at the moment with the likes yeah. of City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, Chelsea like, are as well, yeah. everyone is in on this guy. But um, 
I would love to have him as an eight. I think he'd be a fantastic eight for us. Um, Rice, I would love to get over the line. I think that will be huge for us um, long term. And, you know, after we spoke to um, Fellow he last week, he was bloody preview, brilliant. Oh, weren't he? Exactly. And he, was, and he was talking about how, you know, this is a guy who his aim should be becoming captain of like England someday. Like this is the kind of player that we're talking about. And I think Charles, uh, West Ham have messed up a bit as well because they were so adamant they wanted 150 mil for him. They were trying to create an auction. And it looks like no auction is going to happen apart from maybe Newcastle might try to come in against Arsenal. So with no auction happening, I I actually could see him going for about 80 mil, which is a yeah. lot less than the 150 mil they were trying to get last summer. So I do wonder if they've missed the boat there a bit where they kind of went a bit too aggressive, similar to like the Kane stuff, right? Like they went so high that City stopped coming they in with shot the bid. themselves in the... Yeah. And now you're wondering, like, are they actually going to make any money from Kane for a rebuild that they need for this aging squad? Probably not. So I, I do wonder if West Ham maybe did just kind of damage themselves a bit in the longer run there by holding on to him. And now like Chelsea, who would have paid 150 million probably won't spend that money yeah. and they don't have Champions League to attract him anyway so that's kind of the player has to say yes right um, so William just talking about oh, so actually just before this uh, Terence says we need a centre-back too so I think we will be in for like at least a full-back um, two CMs another like ready-made winger to compete and it'd hopefully be, a centre-back it'd be interesting to see because like obviously we've got the Champions League right so there is a squad building need there like we don't have the squad for the champions league right now and not like arteta will know exactly he'll be so clear on what he wants and needs um i just think we need a squad of like 16 very very good players not not just like 12 and then a couple of fringe players we need a core of 16 17 top class players um and yeah it'll be interesting to see but in the meantime we got a title to bloody win. So it's we still do. in our hands. Like I, yeah, like I said, everyone knows how I feel. I've said it already. Don't need to say it again. But just support this bloody team. That's all That's all we can do right now. Just get behind them. That's all we can do. Just on that Champions League note, to leave on a positive thing, because obviously it's been quite a difficult few weeks for the Arsenal. So there was a dinner, a Diamond Executive Box dinner at the Emirates. And um, Laura Woods was there and sat next to Arteta. And she asked him, you know, like, are you guys just like have you thought about the Champions League yet like are you, are you, or do you have to like wait till you're mathematically in it before you and he was like no 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 like we are not looking to take part and just be there like we want to win so it's he sick. is very clearly this summer looking like people laughed about what he told William when William came out and said Otis told me he wants to win the Champions League in X number of years he was not fucking joking this guy wants no. to build a fucking squad and go win it so yeah, you know, like that, that. So my my answer here is like I'm expecting a big summer, whatever happens with the Premier League title, because Arteta ain't here to take part, mate. Like he's he here buys to win the right all. players, and he wants to win it fucking all. Yeah, and I hope and he I does. He will. Genu- like yeah, whether it's does. this year, next year, like I just think we're gonna. I've said this all the time. You're gonna look back at his career, and there'll be major honors with Arsenal. Not a doubt in my mind on that. I just yeah, exactly. Really whether it's this year, <laughs> I hope it's this year. That would be amazing. Um. But yeah, so thank you everyone who tuned in live and joined us in the chat. Thank you to William, Terence, Pontus. Yeah, Good thanks, to guys. see all of you today. And, and take care, William. With, with your recovery, William. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, hopefully Friday's a big night. We'll be together. We'll make sure we uh, try to get a selfie with a pint um, on Friday night to put on. I'm actually maybe and we're together Saturday as well. Time. <laughs> yeah, and Saturday we're at a barbecue. So it's going to be a good weekend for us. Let's hope Saturday's a celebratory day. Fucking hope Fingers so, crossed. <laughs> all right, get behind this do- team. Up the Arsenal. 
Um, the Arsenal will be back on Friday, hopefully around lunchtime for a preview of that Southampton game. We'll do a quick one under 30 minutes and then back onto the grind for City. So see you all later. Have a lovely week. And uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, hit that like if you enjoyed the episode. Cheers. Awesome. Up the Arsenal, Is guys. It,